The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Someone, yeah, not enough sleep, not enough caffeine. I, I, I don't know. I've had caffeine today. It's definitely. I'm, I've had caffeine. I feel like I should preemptively start the sponsorship because I'm that tired. Welcome to the Wolf and Bowl. This is sponsored. <laughs> we're sponsored by an unnamed energy drink that hopefully uh, will one day sponsor us. Wouldn't that be interesting? And an unnamed alcoholic beverage that is very tasty when mixed with the energy drink is isn't particularly good i've had that before it's just not very it's kind of a weird mixture wow yeah that stuff has some serious bite to it i'll tell you yeah uh did you ever find your your contact no 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 so it might be in my eye somewhere i i don't feel it so there could be a contact just swimming around in my eyeball well you could be you know it's pointing at your brain now you could be seeing the wolfage brain there (laughs) Not much to see. Off in the distance. (laughs) Not much to see right now. The animal brain. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, no, speaking of tired, I just, I'm just kind of groggy. It's been a a long week and 72 hours. I'm going to be the head of a pack. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm uh, a. Splain. Joining a cult. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was the wolf and bull cult. (laughs) Yeah. So a little bit of anxiety there for. Beowulf and I, but not for like dumb things. I had someone ask me, "Oh, you, are you ready to are you ready ready for marriage today?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, of course, I'm ready to marry the love of my life and take care of her for the rest of my life. I'm not ready to dance in front of people. <laughs> so I don't think they're ready for me to dance in front of them either. So well, I mean, I'm I'm sure you have an entire rendition of something planned. I mean. Mm. Probably went to dance school to no to no 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 not at all oh not in God. any I, way yeah I figured it would be like you know something from Greece or you know maybe a you know fiddler on the roof scenario no. I don't know something. if I were to dance at all or it'd be or very similar if to a because club. you're a wolf could it be you know uh, Bad Moon Horizon no that no. would be a bad thing to no. do it away how about uh, Werewolf in London. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a child. Yeah. They, uh, oh, my God. Of course, God. you watch it now, and you're like... So dumb. Those animatronic so wolves are kind of Well, that that and Silver Bullet. Like, I had a major issue when Silver I was a Bullet. child. I don't remember Silver Bullet. You didn't see Silver Bullet, no. the Stephen King Stephen King one? No, I missed that. Yeah, He's that got one, so many. He really does, and they were all really bad Every single recently. one of them has a clown in it somewhere. You know that, right? That universe. Red Balloon or a clown. Actually, it's Roses. Really? If you read, if you read his different in the books, yeah. Well, they got to filter. It's the same universe, right? So they got to filter something through all of them to reflect back on the whole Tower series, which is very interesting too. Yeah. So I got yeah. through what six six of those books. That's about all I could get through too. Yeah, he lost me at the one where he started writing about the. Uh, for anyone who, who's read Stephen King's uh, Tower series, he lost me at the one where he started writing about uh, Sue Susanna. Susanna and lost the, me, but 
wasn't that Susanna and the wolf something or another? Uh, I think there was a wolf in there. You should, you know, you should go back to that. Now, no, I'm, I'm too busy reading the the visualized version of Dune. As Dune, a Dune I read Dune when I was 13, maybe 12, 13. Did they have books back then, or was well, it we had to, it was on no, it was on stone tablets. Oh, okay, gotcha. I had to turn them on stone tablets. Wow, that's the spice, the spice, the spice. Spice Melange. Spice Girls. <laughs> when you say the Spice, I think of South Park and the Spice Melange, the episode where they're trying to steal Tom Brady's poop. Oh, my yeah, God. That's my, that's you know, does everything up. always revert to... Poop, yeah. <laughs> no, everything not, not just a poop, but to South, South Park. No, poop. it just reverts to poop. South Park reverts to poop. Speaking of, where the hell is their continuation of the newest season? It's been a year. Mm. Well, where, where are you at, South Park? No, they're not canceled. They're not. They're no. Just, they're just... And by canceled, I mean they still are, they're still on a contract. By the way, we do have to retroactively go back to to the last uh, number thirteen, right? Episode. Yeah. Did we fuck we up? We forgot to cancel an animal. Oh yeah, well, episode thirteen doesn't count, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we are we didn't want to jinx. God, anything. what have we done? We've done the baboon. You know, we we've could, done the platypus. We could, we could actually, since we in episode twelve we talked about Sasquatch, we could cancel it. Could cancel cancel the Bigfoot? I'd rather ca- cancel Yeti? the aliens first. Well, aliens are canceled. All right, episode are, fourteen. Mm. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to the Wolf and Bull <laughs> podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, this is, as we stated a second ago, episode fourteen. Um, as a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, go back and listen to our other episodes. Uh, they're all great. Um, I'm saying that they're from a very biased. Yeah, I'm saying it from a biased pers- uh, position. Um, in the last episode, the bull, Beowulf, and I discussed the company, uh, the corrupt company, Theranos, or as Beowulf likes to say, a Theranos, uh, and their empty shell of a CEO. Actually, didn't we have the actual Elizabeth Holmes on with us at one point? She, yeah, we did. Uh, man, she is just as terrifying in person as she is <laughs> on screen. Um, is I that going to be part sleep. of your uh, nuptials? You are just, you are as, just terrifying as terrifying in person <laughs> as you are on screen. Yikes. Um, that would not go well, I don't think. Also, if you happen to like the podcast, go ahead and share it. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are on most podcasting platforms. Yeah. Um, we're still kind of new, so there's some stuff we're still putting together and working on. Uh, this is done in our spare time. So give us a follow. Give us a like. It helps in uh, building our ego. Really, it helps in making us some of giant us, narcissists. Some of us need our ego built. Others are like already there. If I could standing, give my on ego top of a hill. Yeah, you're listening. listening in the yeah. distance. I mean, you've, you've been standing <laughs> uh, there for fourteen. You know, you know weeks. anybody that gets into one of these podcasts right now will hear something like that and go, "What in the what the hell fuck is are he they talking, talking about? about?" Yeah, you've been standing there for fourteen weeks. I don't. I have, my knees are uh, kind of. You, so you a stone. Well, stone bull, <laughs> stone bull, bull stone, bull stone. Well, I could. You know what I ought to be this week? A minotaur bull. A yeah, minotaur. no, that's fine. I, I approve fictional. Kind I was of. gonna like say a bull shark, but I guess oh. a minotaur bull is bull shark. Cool. Work, no, no, bull you're, no, no, you're the minotaur bull. No, a minotaur, I like the minotaur bull. You already picked. Yeah. Okay. You're stuck with it. All right. Good. Oh man. 
So what's the news of the day today, my friend? I'm just prepping myself. <laughs> was that was an awfully big sigh. I'm kind of worried about uh, it. It's not. It's just the news is just stupid, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just like, do I really want to talk about how dumb this all is? All kinds of things. Today. It, well, this one, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we just came out. This just came out today. Uh, Bill Cosby is uh, absolutely innocent. So does that mean Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? Hmm. A question. To ponder, everybody, just take five seconds and ponder. Okay, pondering. I know. Yeah, no, means, he didn't kill himself. I know Louis C.K. is totally innocent. Then in that case, and so is Harvey Weinstein. Well, everybody's innocent. And so is Until... uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and uh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy's innocent. Any, everybody's um, innocent until somebody in the kangaroo cart. You know who it. isn't innocent though? Who? The juice. The juice. He's not Jesus. innocent. Well, he he wrote a nice book saying, I'm what guilty. I would have done is if I did it, actually, I would have done it this <laughs> way, which means I couldn't do it because, oh my God. I would have sharpened the but knives. I, did, <laughs> now, let me see. That was in 1994 is when he got in a Ford Bronco and started racing all over the place. I remember because it was the day, it was the very day I moved to Diego. And, um, I, I, but I remember that like it was yesterday. And unfortunately you do not. Yeah, you I were, was, I was two. You were like, uh, I was two. You were in the den with the, uh, the mother wolf. No, I was yeah. roaming around the forest at two. Were you? Yeah. Just lost in the forest. Eating garbage. Eating garbage and watching white riding hood go by. Yeah. Cause climate change. Okay. Well, let's get into the news. Oh my God. <sighs> Hello. I am the wolf, and I have the news for you. The Delta variant, the version of COVID primarily sponsored by and put into motion by a similar-sounding airline. Delta. Is on the march. Delta. It's like the Delta, Delta variant. Or, or an Sigma, plane? Alpha, Delta. Um, well, you know what Delta really means, don't you? Depending. It's the airline. They released, oh, a, they released a virus. They, re- they did. Uh, well, the you know, der- the, hold it. That goes right into the chemtrail thing. We I, go, uh, that's you know obviously what? where it comes from. Corona chemtrail. It even kind of rhymes, you know? We're going to get banned. This, we're going to go from being canceled to banned. Well, uh, you, you know what Delta really means. All it means is ahead. change, correct? Uh, or an really? alluvial plane like the Mississippi River yeah. Delta. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. nice. You are, you are full of you are full of information. So what they're doing is they're putting a, a variant in there that covers all variants, right? In yeah. other words, COVID that COVID Delta means COVID change. Really, mm-hmm. COVID that didn't change, COVID that changed. What is it? How well, did now it now you're getting too conspiratorial. You're getting too conspiratorial. Conspiratorial Alex, just means it changed. Well, the what CDC is, director came out yesterday and said that uh, oh, anyone we who's believe vaccine, everything that person says. Well, they right? said anyone who's vaccine is protected against the Delta variant. So this is purely the MSM just well, making things up now. Didn't didn't um, she say before that she was just very concerned? No, she didn't use concerned. What was it that she came out and she's got a big worry. She can't sleep at night because. It was this? yeah. She was yeah. She was crying on TV. Yeah. Um, well, according to the very trustworthy and oh no, utmost respectful oh, no. and unbelievably Is resourceful and factual us? mainstream media. Oh, I thought you were talking about no. Man. He's not making an appearance. I'm gonna get lung cancer or throat cancer if I keep talking like that. The Delta variant is a highly infectious form of COVID, first detected in India 
And now it's in 85 countries. As opposed to the other version of COVID, which wasn't highly infectious? It accounts for one in five cases that are currently in the United States. <gasps> so no, but how many cases are there right now? So I'll get to it. <clears throat> that gasp broke my windpipe. <laughs> This is apparently news. I, honestly, there's so many things I could have paid attention to, but I'm picking this thing because it's so freaking dumb. Los Angeles, the epicenter that is Mayor Garcetti's own fascist regime. Los Angeles. Is now encouraging everyone to mask up again. Even those who are vaccinated. We're going right through it, guys. It has been 18, 19 what months, and we are continuing the cycle of dumb. That's what we're doing. Mask up. In other words, wear a fence around your face that doesn't block anything. I think everyone just wants us to go to space so badly, like subconsciously, well, that we know, all want to wear space You suits. know, I did hear, though, that to protect us from the vacuum of space, we're not going to have to wear helmets anymore. Space helmets? We'll be able to wear masks. Just not a gator, though, because gators <laughs> won't work in space. Just okay? open your mask. Just <laughs> open the mask. Make sure. <laughs> just if you're right To there. protect yourself, die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, look, I... I I don't want to be a major asshole, but California is probably the dumbest possible place to live, full of the dumbest possible people, full of the dumbest possible situations where the largest amount of really dumb people get together collectively and procreate, and there's not a law against this. It is, it is ridiculous, and you can see it right now in our policy. You it know, is really dumb. I think dumb. there is actually you know, going to be a procreation law coming out real soon. Okay. An Asian oversight thing. committee. Yeah, well, I mean, they you, did it over there, you, right? Okay. Aren't we following oh, in no. the footsteps? We're, well, you'd like to say that we are, but I doubt it. People are going to, people, look, California's really dumb, but we're like one of the only states that I are doing know. this there's a, shit. There's a gal named Sanger that thought that this would Well, she's be dead. Helpful. She's dead and probably in hell. Um, yeah, I bet she is. So just to give some people who are probably, you know, either criticizing me or not in agreement with how I think this is really stupid. The highest death toll that California has experienced, and I did some research here. This is according to just Googling it because the CDC now throws it up on Google. You can literally just look it up and they'll tell you what the average death toll is. Um, so there's been a few spikes here and there, but you know the highest seven-day average happened in January of 2021. Mm -hmm. Generally, we've kind of 100% tapered off. The seven-day average for the entire state as of this week is, wait for it, 36 people deaths per week out of what's the population of California 40 million 40 million not accounting people who are undocumented 40 million well then it's 50 million <laughs> in California because that's Supposedly. about right yeah, but you know therein lies a very interesting subject too because you got to remember that the way overall that the death rate is counted when it it's a contribution death this is not they don't fucking know that's my point they have no idea so the even these numbers from january last year this year current seven day average all those kind of things are contribution factors to mm -hmm. covid which is basically saying from a uh from a uh, analytics point of view is that if you had covid when you died it's a contributing factor thus it's going to be ranked within the, the how did <laughs> how did bill pass a dolphin <laughs> bit off his third leg and he bled out. <laughs> he, had he, COVID, had COVID, he had so COVID. He had so COVID. He died of COVID. We're not going to list that in the uh, dolphin murders. I mean, you know what's so you know what's so surprising to me about all this is we are now so desensitized to how dumb this is that people either are a 
keeping their mask on because it makes them feel comfortable and they can somehow sit on and that top still of goes a, on well they, they think Absolutely. they can sit on top of a pedestal and judge everyone around them from a moral perspective of oh you know what i'm a good person i care about others because i wear a mask and then you have fucking hicks who are just coughing and yakking all over everyone <laughs> well you know you know you know what you're talking about is the sneezing uh, coughing and hacking and stuff which is very interesting because one of the downsides of the whole mask culture that it's turned into now mm-hmm. is that it gives you a false sense of security. You walk I, around mm. with these other people that are, oh, there's a cough, there's a sneeze, and there, you know, obviously there is a protective factor when wearing a mask if somebody is sneezing and coughing. That does dissipate some things. But but if you believe that you can go out in public now with a mask on and, and 70% or 80% of the people around you don't have one on, somebody coughs and everything, and you're protected from getting something from that, you're dead wrong. Well, so. it, well, it, well, let's not, because look, uh, this is a topic we're probably going to continue to talk about. Oh, yeah. And I'm it's, sure there's going to be multiple episodes where we're just like, hey, remember that one time when everyone lost their fucking minds? I remember 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. When... So, I mean, I get what you're saying. You're right. And everyone's, everyone, everyone who isn't, everyone who is not in agreement with me, you know, obviously they have different thoughts on things. Which, by the way, is part of the Which reason is for doing this. We like, we look, this is opinion. We've stated that many, many times. It's going to continue to be opinion, and uh, whether Wolf's opinion is wrong, which is most of the time, or Paul's opinion is right, which is most of the time, yeah, you still know it's an opinion. I'm wrong all the time. I just accept that. I mean, I thought we were going to be in this for 14 days, 19 months later. Um, yeah, no kidding. Well, in other news that's not depressing and stupid beyond belief, um, a study conducted at the UC Berkeley and published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology has found that people who habitu- habitu- ugh, habitually accept their negative emotions experience fewer negative emotions, which adds up to a better psychological health. That's interesting, hold right? It, hold hold, hold it, hold it. Yeah. You've totally lost me on this bit of news. Mm-hmm. So... If you accept your negative emotions, you're not going to have negative emotions? No, 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 no. But if no. that's the case, you wouldn't no. have had negative emotions See, to begin with because you're not accepting Yeah, so, no. Uh, so, basically, they, they pulled, like, 1,300 people, obviously, from the two... They pulled from people where? from San Francisco. From where they pull, oh, okay. And they pulled from, them from San and Francisco. And from the uh, metropolitan area of Denver. What they, oh, what they do? Get in the back God, of the an Uber or a Lyft and talk to the driver every time? Garbage places. I, look... The point is they publish this, and what they're saying is not that if you reside in it, but if you let yourself experience it, you have less of those major, I would say, buildups of negative emotion. So in so, other words, it's kind of like earthquakes, right? Little tiny earthquakes or, relieve the pressure of the possible big one. And you know... Which, <laughs> yeah, it makes kind of sense. Well, Kind of, sort of. Being Having the background in geophysics that I do, I, I use that analogy because th- there was a belief back in the 80s when I... Well, Damn it! I'm aging myself again. Back in back in the eighties when I was studying this stuff, there was a lot of talk (laughs) about about taking fluids and shooting them into the earth along uh, the uh, the plains of of uh, um, you know right slips. uh, I won't go into the details of this, but along you saw my eyes glazing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can see it already. Bueller, Bueller. But anyway, but my bottom line is they used to think that they could push fluids down into these these earthquake zones and relieve the pressure mm. from the possibility of having large ones. The problem is they, that's, that's kind of stupid. If you think about it, well, you're relieving friction, you might pop the big one. I guess the point, the point that they are making, and I think there is some semblance of logic to it, even though obviously these studies are of fucking flimsy and nonsensical is if you, 
if you try and hold yourself in a suspended state that you're not naturally accustomed to being within past a certain point, it's not healthy for you. It's like forcing yourself to be angry when you feel sad. It's good to feel things. I understand the point that their their argument is basically saying if you're frustrated, if, if you're sad, if you're angry, obviously, you know, I don't think they're recommending people lash out, but I think they're saying feel the emotion experience the emotion accept the emotion don't judge yourself but because wait a sec go ahead and the reason i say this the reason i say this is because the difference between you and i uh my generation is comprised of like 80 percent narcissists and so 80 (laughs) percent narcissists are going to go through life thinking that they have to always be optimistic very rarely in our conversations do i ever sit down with you and say uh no negative thoughts no negative this well and that's a very yeah but that's a common thing in my generation and so if they're taking actual polls yes no wow. negative space, safe space, all that bullshit is the most common nonsense online the, and in real life. This whole safe space stuff is avoidance, is what but you're saying. So that's and my. That's point. what they're saying. Yeah. Don't avoid it. Sit in it. Exactly. Understand what it is. But but I think the alternate side of that. I know we don't want to go off into too far of a tangent on this. Mm-hmm. But the alternate side of it is that these these people want to experience something that they're having an emotional response to because of a decision they've made. To respond to something emotionally negative. Yeah, but I, so why yeah. can't you back this whole premise up one step and say, okay, something bad's happened to me, but do what I did, my generation. Let me tell you what my generation did. Yeah, but my I, generation said, yeah, something shitty's happening to me, and I realize it's shitty for me, but I also realize in the context of a bigger picture than me, it doesn't have to be a giant picture, it doesn't have to be a universal picture, mm-hmm. worldwide picture. It could be a picture just a slightly bigger circle than my own. Well, says that my level of priority and importance mm-hmm. on this negative thing is nothing compared to the other person that's going through x y and well, z well lest we not forget the generation prior to you and maybe some of your generation also pit uh picketed and rioted against the government in the 60s because of vietnam and now they're teaching in schools and we have the same problems look so, i didn't i don't want war and destruction and death sure, any more than the next but person. I, I guess my point is and this is something that is ever changing. I see psychology, medicine as a fluid situation. It's not. It's you know. It's not static. It's dynamic. So when we talk about things like this, this is this could change next week. But <laughs> nice, nice that one, that, dude. That was a wolf. <laughs> the wolf. Belt. The, the, the bull, bull. The wolf. Oh, <laughs> the bull is mating call. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess my 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 point is is. They have a point. I don't think that I do you think should they have a point. Yeah, sure. They shouldn't reside in it. But if you don't let yourself feel certain things, it obviously will bubble up and I, I it's think, not good. I think my point to this point is that the way things are presented today are to fill. So, so here's the way a lot of research is done. I have a premise. I have an end result that I want. And I'm going to put the statistics together in such a way and write it up in such a way that it moves toward what I thought in the first place. Yeah, data is fungible. Well, the problem is, is instead of that, real research done by real ethical scientists and psychologists and everything else, they say, okay, here's one premise. Here's Mm -hmm. what I think ahead of time. But I'm not going to try to fit the statistics into that. I'm going to try to be open-minded about all the other 20, 30, 40, 100,000 other possible explanations, and I'm going to let the statistics drive the answer instead of let the answer drive the statistics. But why do that if nothing matters and everything is a simulation? Well, I was programmed to say that. Yeah, exactly. And now... Into our scheduled topic. You know why it's scheduled, right? Simulation theory, because it's all predestined. That's right. Everything's predestined. We have no free choice. Okay, Apostle Paul. Is is it Apostle Paul, or did that happen before or after the road to Damascus? 
Uh, it happened after, yeah, when he said he was predestined. Saul didn't. Yeah, he was too busy killing Jews. That's exactly and right. Christians. Um, yeah. Actually, Jews. But that was part of the plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Freaking, what am I saying? Christians. That was when Constantine came into the picture. So everything was like Jewish before. I don't think they had um, a word called Christians yeah, was, in the I early think, days. I think it was called, if I remember they call correctly. Christ followers. That's all well, they call them. Well, or the way, uh, if I remember correctly from a theological, I think the term the was way. actually. Yeah, I think that was actually a term. I could be wrong. Don't check me on that or quote me on that. All right. You, so we're going to talk about simulation theory because everything is fake and nothing is real. And we're all robots. And everything is just comprised of bits, I beep, boop, think, of numbers. I think beep, boop, this, is, beep, boop. this is a wonderful thought experiment. It really is. The question is, mm. is it more than a thought experiment? I think it's a thought experiment that has been spawned by a culmination of technology and influence from society that has made it interesting. I think if we haven't gone, if we hadn't gone the way that we had gone traditionally, and obviously to our listeners, we'll preface this, we'll give you context, but if we hadn't have gone the way that we have gone technologically, you know, through wars and through changes in society, I don't think this would be interesting. I think... There's because before this it was is destiny is was the argument you know. Before this, what was this before destiny? before simulation theory or the idea of simulation theory was the idea of destiny predestination right. of some yeah. kind right and through theology and some other well, context which I believe you you have some background and understanding of right a little bit yeah I I wouldn't say that I'm all knowing theologian even though I can speak relatively confidently about some of this stuff. Um, so, you know, simulation theory is an interesting uh, and a rapidly growing in popularity idea. Um, there's a long philosophical and scientific history to the underlying thesis that reality is an illusion. Now, you know, this skeptical hypothesis can be traced back to antiquity, for example, to the butterfly dream of, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this name, uh, Zhang Zhi, or the Indian philosophy of the Maya, or in ancient Greek philosophy, another name I'm going to a butcher... <laughs> Uh, Anarch, an Anaxarchus and Monimus likened existing Anarchists. existing things Anarchists, yeah, existing things to a scene painting and supposed them and to resemble the impressions experienced in sleep or madness. Which is which is really interesting to me to the, that that kind of thing was proposed in that we're liking that likening that to the idea of simulation theory in today's kind of vernacular well, today's I, understanding of things because yeah. It's really an interesting thought. Well, I think to me. I think the reason it was like that originally is because most things back then were seen through the ideas and visions of dreams or visions, uh, experiences of dreams. So when people would say, oh, "I had a dream," like at that time in 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 existence of humanity, people had no fucking idea what that was. They didn't know what was happening in their brains. They we didn't don't know today. That was... I'm sure you've had dreams oh, yeah, that you remember, exactly. and you're like, yeah. Like that what doesn't the hell? fit into mm-hmm. any kind of worldview or reality I've ever known. How did you think of that? Yeah, but at the least we could is, have. Did con- you? Well, but at least at that time we or today we can conceptualize that we thought of it, right? Because uh, prior to today and uh, maybe five hundred, six hundred years ago, even maybe earlier, people than that, believed those were placed were, in you exactly. instead of something that came from you. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's something that a lot of people are. I mean, people still talk about it today. I had a dream. It means something like dream reading, all that nonsense. It's all. It's, I hate to spoil it for people I who believe to, it. It's bullshit. Sorry. I, I used to. I used to. It's tell, fun. I used to tell your soon-to-be spouse, you know, all she would, she would tell me about some kind of funky thing that was she was dreaming about. And and she, oh, Dad, 
Oh, I shouldn't have done that, huh? I oh, did oh that. dad. Oh, 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 master bull. The wolf, the wolf has <laughs> it, children. <laughs> the bull, you mean, have children. Oh, sorry. The wolf doesn't have children. Dear does God, wolf, I hope does not. Does the wolf have children? <laughs> oh, no. Is there something no. you'd like to tell no, me? No, God, please. <laughs> Five more years. Oh, oh. Yeah, right. I, I said the same thing, and 11 months later, boop. Let's know. No, no, let's yeah. know. Uh, anyways, she used to tell me these different things, and and I would say, well, that's obvious. And I would yeah. put, a, put, a, put a, and, Well, you also dressed up as Santa Bowl during Christmas. What are you talking so, about? Yeah, exactly. Huh? All right, well, just to continue, um, you know, a version of the hypothesis or simulation hypothesis was also theorized as a part of the philosophical argument of Rene Descartes, who famously stated, uh, cogito ergo sum, or I think, I think therefore, therefore I am. I am. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously Aztec philosophical texts theorized that the world was a painting or a book written by Teotl or their version of God. So it, it, this whole premise or idea of like predestination or simulation theory has been around for quite a while. I don't think it's been conceptualized at least to the point of where it is now up until just very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm skeptical as are a lot of people. Um, at the same time, I think simulation theory well, or multiverse I, I, is I, all the more, it's, it's just as plausible as aliens. In well, I, I think that the, the trouble we have today is that we've realized as, as human beings that nearly everything we can conceptualize could be viewed as some sort of reality. Mm, yeah, but the problem though is that's a little bit pseudoscience. If you could put, it's no, a little it's pseudo. Not. Yeah, it is no, just a tad. Because if is. you can view multiverse, you could but easily be, say that one. If of you the, could, the could it, there is the important part, right? I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But if, as soon as you start thinking time in general, you got to be able to think about time and how it branches, how it can change, how decisions made in the linear time frame that we're living in, how it can how it can alter based on everyday decisions. Yeah. So if you if you give that credence at all, you start to realize that if you go down if we're in this reality right here and we're mm-hmm. going down this trail, in this time trail, you and I are both in it. We're both sitting here, we're both talking, but we made a decision to talk about one thing versus another. You can easily visualize how if we would have talked about the other, a different set of circumstances would have eventuated. Right? Yeah, but I think the, 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 the difference, though, and this is where I, I guess it gets really difficult for people to conceptualize and really difficult for me, because I understand what you're saying, I follow what you're saying, and I think that you're right from a, a, a philosophical perspective, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, that train of path has never, unless multiverse is a thing, has never occurred because mm-hmm. we never went down that path. So um, what's interesting about the simulation hypoth- hypothesis is that if this is the case, you know, um, then the whole bunch of things that we believe when it comes to the laws of science, when it comes to theology, everything is going to be going out the window. Well, every, everything um, then is part of a program, right? And, and simulation hypothesis in general is regarding the entirety of existence, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's that the earth, the universe, everything is in fact part of an artificial simulation such as a computer simulation of some yeah. kind. But, you know, interestingly, now I'll just refer back to this this is something that came to mind uh, earlier today when I was thinking about this a little bit. Back when I was in university, originally I was, you know, eighteen years old or whatever it was. It was Plato's class, right? Uh, yeah, but oh, that cool. was how was that was directly before he took the hemlock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was he was rough. kind of kind of was abrupt when some he, rough you know, he was Monday. A good teacher, we had a we had a sit in when he anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he wore socks with sandals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he invented socks apparently. In, in any event, so I was in this uh, I was in this writing class, and there was a lot of us doing these different short stories, et cetera. And this this one cat, really smart kid, he wrote a, a short story called The Sonambulist, which, if you don't know, is somebody that really can't fall asleep. Hmm. Or very rarely does. It's that's the term so, for it. Sonambulist. Yeah, that they're like up all the time. I mean, I'm giving you kind of a rough, off the cuff definition. Well, I know there's another it term so for it, but that that yeah is an interesting one. Yeah. So and and so the 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 interesting premise of his story, though, th- to relate to this, is that the whole world was a a fictionalized uh, simulation hmm. based on everybody waking up today with every part of your previous life was just programmed in this history. So something like what we're talking about, but yeah. everything forward was reality, but every, ba- ba- everybody was basically woke up just now and already had their history programmed into them, mm. except the Sonambulist, because he never, never slept. slept. Yeah. So it was very interesting. But that was, that's a, That would be creepy. Creepy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you know, there's plenty of entertainment in society that's gone over this, like the Matrix went through this whole type of oh, yeah. series. And, and, and what's interesting, and this is just a, a tidbit before I get into the individual who kind of, you know, I wouldn't say he created this idea, but he popularized it. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about the Matrix and simulation theory in general is everyone today, uh, and I think it's a lot of, at least from a cultural and so- social perspective, a lot of people believe they're the, the protagonist of their own story. And f- from their perspective, they are. But in the sense that, oh, I'm meant to be the person that fixes this. I'm meant to be the person that saves the universe. And I don't necessarily know if that is, and I could be wrong, so I'm just I'm just bullshitting right now. But I don't necessarily know if that's a, a common viewpoint that humanity has held for a long period of time. So I think that these... It's interesting that you're verbalizing that because a lot of people won't do that. A lot of people kind of keep that in their, their safe mm-hmm. you know, brain space because they're worried that if they announce that out loud, that they're somehow revealing something about themselves that's an oddity from most well, other people. I don't believe it is. I think no, you're right on. Yeah. I think that's more normal than not. <clears throat> well, everyone has their own inner... Well, a lot of people have their own inner voice. There's actually a study, a lot of... Well, not study, but there is a... I heard this somewhere, so I'm bullshitting again. God, this whole podcast, I'm just bullshitting. I made this up. Simulation theory is all my idea. Um, Apparently, is, he is the master programmer. Yeah, exactly. God, I'm the MP. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, y- there are some that don't have an inner voice, which is interesting. That's kind of an odd. Some people that don't have an inner yeah. voice? Do you think they're telling the truth? I don't think so. I, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've heard and seen that somewhere. I can't see, remember see, where there, exactly. There's a philosophy in general that basically, and it's, and it's bled over into science and bleeds over into this and some mm-hmm. other theories around our existence that, that we could talk about at another time, that believes that the only reason our universe exists is because we're able to view it. Yeah. And... Kind of makes some interesting sense. Well, it's the same thing. It's we, like the Rene Descartes statement. Yeah, it's exactly. the same type of thing. We think, therefore, we are. Yeah, right? and and I love that kind of experiment. We, you know, you know if we, I, I guess we'd probably have to be sitting here doing uh, some other uh, paraphernalia other than your. Oh, Joe Rogan's there. DMT. Yeah, I got that, what you're yeah, saying. We, yeah, we might. Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna do some meth. Um, so anyway, I just, and obviously this is just for the listener. We're going to, this is, this conversation is going to be a long one. So we're going to split this into uh, probably multiple conversations. 
I just mean it in the sense that like parts. three hours, baby. Yeah, we're going for three hours. Um, so the real, you know, simulation hypothesis was popularized by a Swedish born philosopher um, who's been associated with the University of Oxford. His name is Nick Bostrom. Um, he's known for his work on existential risk, superintelligence risk, human enhancement ethics. He's he I wouldn't say he's on the bleeding he edge talks a lot about existentialism. Yeah, he's he I wouldn't say he's on the bleeding edge of some studies, even though I guess existentialism is kind of a new. Well, study. what I mean by that is, is the risks involved with. Yeah, like our supercomputers, in uh, bioweapons, right. like asteroids hitting the Earth, all that stuff. Actually, this kind of theory is a kind of is an outgrowth of that thinking, really. Yeah, I, I would say it is. Um, I, I would say that, now. Granted, there's also a lot of pseudoscience um, in a lot of people's opinions. I think that because of pop culture, is when it comes to aliens or when it comes to you know simulation theory, there's a ton of pseudoscience that's thrown into it. Um, I like to take the position of things are more boring and mundane in reality than they are interesting and exciting um, just because it keeps <laughs> expectations low. And obviously for all my aliens, friend, alien friends listening and people who believe in the Jetsons version of the aliens, you can believe that all you want to. I'm not quite there with you yet. Well, um, if it's all a simulation, doesn't matter. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, here's the thing. Is there some quandaries with the simulation theory that people have yet to... To reconcile. To reconcile sure. with. Um, and and prep your buttholes, guys, because I'm going to... And by buttholes, I mean your brain holes, because I'm going to I'm going to read but Nick Bostrin's... Butt brain holes. Butt brain holes. Your butt has a butt... Your well, brain has a butt hole. Paraphrase it. Don't read it. Just well, paraphrase it. Because it makes sense if you read the entire thing. Well, um, so, okay. You're going to lose every listener if you read the entire well, thing. Well, if they have a Unless brain, you they'll listen. you can do it in his accent. Oh, I don't... He's Swedish. He's Swedish. Actually, no, he doesn't have much of an accent, yeah, really. He, doesn't. he really doesn't. I don't want to offend all a, the I, I wa- I, I've watched a couple of things with him and uh, Max Friedman, for instance. Lex they, Friedman. Or, did I say Max, Max Friedman. Max Friedman. Max Friedman. Max. Lex Friedman's brother. Mad Max Friedman. What up, guys? I'm Max Friedman. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about drags. <laughs> um, so, many works of science fiction, as well as some forecasts by serious technologists and Futurologists, technologists, <laughs> technologists, and futurologists. Sorry, I had a aneurysm there. Uh, predict that enormous amounts of computing power will be available in the future. Um, let us suppose for a moment that these predictions are correct. One thing that later generations might do with their super powerful computers is run detailed simulations of their forebearers or of people like their forebearers. Because their computers would be so powerful, they could run a great many such simulations. Suppose mm-hmm. that these simulated people are conscious as they would be if the simulations were sufficiently uh, fine-grained and if a certain quite a certain quite widely accepted position in, uh, in the film... <laughs> God, I'm butchering this. In, in the philosophy of mind is correct, then it could be the case that the vast majority of minds like ours do not belong to the original race, but rather to people simulated by the advanced descendants of an original race. So, Which, it, it, know, that sounds a lot like the Bible to me, honestly. Well, it, the problem is there's always a leap. Yeah. involved in these things. The the interesting part of this is if you think about the logical extension of computer power, mm-hmm. okay, then, you know, we're getting into quantum computing and all this kind of stuff, and, and we're at our stage of existence. We've got a lot of wild technologies that are ever-growing and maximizing AI and superintelligence, all that stuff is coming and coming at us fast. So things are changing rapidly. They're yeah. really, and so a great advancement could occur. But the the interesting part of this, though, is that the infinite things are not calculable 
through finite methods. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that if you have, I don't care what the computing power is, it, it is defined by whoever created the computers. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna some, there's going to be something at a minuscule sa- scale of some kind that is anomalous. You know, it's the matrix black cat thing. Yeah. There's going to be anomalies. And for us to figure out if we're really in a simulation, what we have to do as part of that simulation, which we must be, right? If beep, boop, beep, boop. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to have to look at the scales to find where the anomalous parts are. And things, of course, break down at Planck scale. Yeah. So and that's... we have to be technologically advanced enough to see the technology at such a, such a scale as to determine that we're actually not real. Yeah. How's that for a mind bender? Well, and that would be, I mean, if we reach that singularity of technology, I would argue that we probably wouldn't be in the, the, well, the casings of meat and flesh that we are in right now. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing, though. Who says we're not simulating something else right now? We are, every day. Mm-hmm. Scientists run through amazing simulations to determine everything from COVID vaccines to, you know, how the mantle of our Earth works yeah. to where the next asteroid is coming our way. Yeah, they do it all the time. They run thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of simulations. Or how the last In, 25 years so Bill, Bill Clinton has been trying to simulate the fact that he didn't Bill uh, Clinton spill is, he is joy juice all over Monica Lewinsky's blue he dress. Is, I, I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you, he's run every simulation of that oh, whole dude. event. <laughs> on all the things he could have done differently to get out of that. Could have swore you looked like Hillary. I did not have, I did not have sexual, sexual relations, relations with that, with that woman. woman. Um, in, in, uh, yeah, so e three. There's, <laughs> so there's obviously there's some quandaries and there's some problems with this theory. Um, you know, there's a trilemma when it comes to well, we Nick don't have Bostrom's. A, we don't have a dilemma. We, we have, have a trilemma. trilemma. So there's a trilemma when it comes to his his is suggestion. A trilemma or a trifecta. Trilemma, um, which would be a, if just we're really in a, a simulation trifecta. Of and if we can options. figure it out, we can bet on horses and dogs and get the trifecta right. We won't have to worry about anything. Well, here's the thing: is if it's a simulation, then we could logically also think that everything else would be possible, like multiverse, aliens, because everything if, if is just coded, a version of the simulation. Exactly. So that's the whole coded, point of multiverse. Exactly. So if they're coded within all that, then that would. So if there be is possible. a real holographic two-dimensional existence, which we can talk about at another time, mm-hmm. if there's really that, mm-hmm. and everything is just a holographic projection, yeah then you can simulate that well, millions and millions of times and come up exactly. with multiverse. And this is and this is exactly why this kind of trends into pseudoscience because there's not at least with a lot of things in this particular theory, there's not really a hard finite line of where mm-hmm. the crossing of because this is more a philosophical discussion than it is science always science has a discussion. component of philosophy this, this is one particular has a lot more, more philosophy it. yeah than, it has a lot of it in yeah there. so you know back to the tri- trilemma for those of you who you know want to know what that is it's a difficult choice from three options um there are three unlikely seeming propositions when it comes to the simulation hypothesis the first one being the fraction of human level civil- civilizations that reach a post-human stage that is one capable of running high fidelity ancestor simulations is very close to zero mm-hmm. or the fraction of post-human simul- civilizations that are interested in running simulations of their evolutionary history or variations thereof is very close to zero or the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences that are living in a simulation is very close to one. Right. So, so basically what he's saying with the first part of that argument, the number one part of the trilemma, mm-hmm. is that it, our existence or other civilization existence don't 
get technologically advanced enough yeah. to actually get to a point to create simulation that would be something we are in. Yeah. And this so, and this could some again this goes back to the existential thing exactly. we're talking this about. This could tie right into that because it, and and I've had this discussion with a myriad of uh, alien believers as I refer to them now because it's very much a religion, uh, a cult. Um that it's the same argument. They, How can they, you not believe in aliens? I don't believe in the version of aliens that people think are aliens. So you you're a Fermi. Yeah, I would tread yeah. I would tread probably with the Fermi paradox more yeah. so than I and, call and it not, Fermi. Fear, no, because I'm not afraid of it. No, I talked. Well, forget it. Well, here, well, here's the thing, and this is this also ties back to my statement earlier about how most people think they're the hero of their own story. Aliens simulation theory, uh, there is very fine difference between those things when extrapolated on a large scale for all of pop- population. There's a diff- fine difference between those things and traditional theology. Well, you have to both believe things, in aliens for sure to believe in simulation theory. Yeah, well, the, the aliens in that instance would just be us from the past. No, it would be us, or from, us from the future. future. Yeah, exactly. And we are um, the past, and we are a simulation of their past exactly. to determine. And, and here's, the, here's the amazing thing. You look at, do you read any paleontology stuff, archaeology, paleontology stuff at all? Whether it's whether you're talking about On Jurassic Park random. or whether you're talking about anthropological stuff about yeah. Lucy in, in Africa or uh, Arthio, I can never pronounce all these, you know, one, one erectus versus... One Australopithecus. Australopithecus versus Erectus versus Homo Limpus. Erectus. Limpus. Limpus. Uh, I don't know. Uh, li- li- wow, Limpus wow, God. It, that was actually a good one. I, that was Homo Erectus and yeah. Homo I'm Limpus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my timing is off. But my, my point is, is if you look at a lot of this stuff, we run thought experiments and now computerized mm-hmm. experiments on everything from ancient DNA fossilized information to determine how ancient beings, whether they were part of our lineage or not, existed at that time. Aren't those just the same thing? But a, a, a very yeah. antiquated version of simulation? Yeah, well, the problem, and this is, where the, this is where things get difficult to understand for people, is in order for us to accurately, as you were saying a second ago, uh, surmise that we are in a simulation theory and thus prove it, it has to be via our techno- technology that is more advanced than our brains, distinguishable as a simulation as opposed to something as indistinguishable to our brains. Right, and we only can so, do this from the context of what we know technologically. Yeah. You know, ones and zeros pretty well, much. Well, and, yeah. and that's the thing. So if we ever reach that technological sing- singularity, the likelihood is that could be something that we do. Now, there are arguments, and I'll get into this probably, you know, with how, well, how deep this conversation is eight years from now. Well, but the second um, argument of this trilemma basically says that these these... Um, civilizations get to a certain point and they're like nobody cares about a simulation why would we do this anyway well well you know, yes that's basically what it says yes and no uh, well yeah that's what it says now and again this ties so much into existential theory because you know we're talking about these this technological singularity is what we're discussing because if we were to reach that point of threshold technologically where you know we can create something as indistinguishable to us and to those around us from reality then why wouldn't we go into a simulation? It would be beneficial as a species. We don't have to depend on these very frail bodies and and, right. and, there's and a, organs. Right, and there's a lot of things that yeah. say that's the direction we'll eventually go because 
we're such well the direction fragile beings yeah. to begin with. Well, the direction the problem then is obviously you know the threshold of power that we have available, which would need an entirely new fuel source. Well, then um, then you got to ask yourself: Is it a simulation or is it just downloaded existence? But that but that would be a simulation. So the argument is: If we could reach that point, but what's the difference between simulation? And that's reality? why it's a thought. That's why it's a thought experiment because because yeah. it's 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 the the debate of if we can surmise that we might be in a simulation, then there is a possibility that we could be in a simulation, and if we are in a simulation, then technically everything could be a simulation right and if you get into the eastern philosophy side of this yeah. this is the this is the the movement from one plane of existence to another correct yeah. or if you get into the northern northwestern side of this this is just a version of nihilism that antifa fucking shits about um <laughs> so uh, again you know the the trilemma basically points out that a technologically mature post-human civilization would have enormous computing computing power um, and even if a tiny percentage of them were to run ancestor simulations, that is high fidelity simulations of ancestral life, that would be um, indistinguishable from reality of the simulated ancestor. And then the total number of simulated ancestors or sims in the universe or multiverse, if it exists, would greatly exceed the total number of actual ancestors. Um, so that's just based on, I uh, would argue, what the law of large numbers. Uh, I mean, it's... You know, interestingly, one of the ways to look at this, though, is to look at our current technology in VR. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the rendering of VR generally surrounds only your immediate sensical area. In other words, if you, if what you can see. So, yeah. so as you're moving through the world that you're either creating or has been created for you in virtual reality, yeah. you're only able to sense within a certain distance well it well here's the thing is that's where it gets kind of interesting because there have been video games i don't know if you ever uh, have you i don't know if you ever saw me play um no man's sky no so it's a video game that was created in 2017 uh kind of flopped upon release because it was created by a really small small um team of developers mm -hmm. um that have been working on it consistently and apparently now it's a good game uh that game has i think in every single and I could be wrong, so you know, we'd have to look into this to make sure I'm correct. But every single copy purchased of that game for the players that play it is rendered differently for each one of them. And it is, I think, 17 trillion or quintillion something planets. Yeah, it's insane. Holy. Yeah. See, see this is, this it's, it's is all my point. Uh, this is my the, point. What's the term? Our, our technology. Procedurally generated. Our technology <clears throat> baseline is not sophisticated enough in our current perception simulation theory to advance simulation theory or the simulation argument to a point that says we're in one right we don't believe it's advanced enough for that but if you if you back up that and look at what you're talking about with that game or what mm -hmm. i was talking about vr in general and just say our entire reality is based on a certain distance from oneself or a certain sense and i say sensical distance because i mean our you know tactile vision hearing etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah that's what i'm talking about and as you move through it your world changes again to this this bubble. Yeah, but if you otherwise were able to have a large enough brain to take in all the data that would allow you to remember every single individual thing that's different, then technically it would all be the same, right? But our so, brains fill in the difference. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. So, th those, so that framework that you're in VR or that game gives you the components. It's just like you've ever done that 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 uh, little game online where you can you can you know read a sentence, and it's perfectly put together. It's easily to read. And then what you do is you jumble all the letters and you just have the first letter and last letter of each word the same as the original. And you can read it almost just as well. Is, 
And that's I've because never our played brain it online, but I know what you're talking about. Our our brain fills in these gaps all the time, yeah. and that's what I'm saying about. Or where you see theory. just the jumble does of the, words. But, and, but my point yeah. is, does technology really need to be so far in advance of what we are now to actually produce? Because well, the first time we produce a simulation mm-hmm. that has any similarity at all to what we're talking about, we've done exactly what's going on here, and whatever's in that simulation we've drawn up now is having this conversation but, about us but again you you realize that's why this is such a kind of pseudoscience discussion that's more about of a thought more of a thought simulation experiment. of a simulation of a simulation it's more of a thought experiment than anything else right um because you know bostrom uses a lot of anthro anthro anthropic reasoning which is a you know a group of principles used to determine how to how probable our observations in the universe are given that we can only exist as you're talking about a second ago in a particular type of universe to begin with to we, can, we only exist certain things to begin or observe there are laws there are rules right so you know to he uses this reasoning to claim that if the third proposition is the one of those three that is true um don't remember what the third one was because there's so many notes here um i'll I'll hit it again for you it's the uh if i can find it now yeah it's the faction of the people with our kind of experiences that are living in a simulation is very close to one. Yeah. So if the third one is true, um, and almost all people with our kind of experiences experiences live in simulations, then we all are almost living as well in a simulation. Mm-hmm. I said that backwards. Dyslexia. I, I think the point of this to me, when I when I really break it down to its its lowest bias, is that none of that really matters, it, because whether we're living in a simulation mm-hmm. or whether is it the simulation. If it's true, it's just our particular form of reality. Yeah, but the reason I think, well, here's the thing, is I think that you're correct in the sense that it might be kind of fickle when it comes to whether it matters or not. I do think that it does hold credence, though, because the only way we'd be able to know is if we could then observe it ourselves, um, which is the, so the premise of this word game. Right, if we're part of the program, are we able to observe it, or is our ability to try to observe it part of the program? Uh, I think so. It's a, a so likely argument. exactly, and that's and that's why a lot of people have qualms with this argument. It's non-falsifiable, mm-hmm. um, even though at a certain point, if we do live in a simulation, then technically our ideas of falsifiable and non-falsifiable would be thrown out of the window anyway, right? Well, it's because it's it's probably this this whole thought experience is probably why the Matrix had such glue to the audience. Well, the Matrix had, because yeah, they, they had this anomalous breakout. Yeah, where well, you could. Mm. Because if we're in a simulation, if there is a reality, the question then becomes, are we in a um, a simulation as part of, are we code or are we being fed code? In other words, are we in an actual you reality somewhere? You'd have to be both. No, you wouldn't. No, yeah. absolutely not. At, at a certain can, point in time. You can create a computer code. That yeah. has a character, an avatar. Sure, right? but at a certain point in time, and this is why this thing is, I, I have such qualms with this type of a thinking, because, again, if, if you are independent from the said code, then that means that you would be the protagonist of said world, right? Because if, if, if we reach a technological singularity where we can download ourselves into a, a, pro, a program, then the danger or the existential risk of that said te- program would, it would be it overtaking us and making us a part of its program. That's what... I mean, that's what or, virus or we does. made the program in such a way to take out of the uh, reality equation things we didn't want. Yeah, but at the but same time, this is why I don't believe any of this. Yeah, exactly. because if if we were the ones putting ourselves into this, 
we would not give us the challenges and negative experiences that we have today. Yeah, but again, but again, if if we weren't the ones put it, uh, that put us into this, meaning that if it, if it's a thing, if it's a technology we do not under, understand, of course they'd put that in because then Correct. we wouldn't question it. Correct. So um, what's interesting is that you know Bostrom kind of sidesteps all these questions by claiming that his argument goes past a, a you know a classical ancient skeptical hypothesis claiming that you know we have interesting empirical reasons to believe that a certain disjunctive claim about the world is true the third of the three disjunctive propositions being that we are almost certainly living in a, a simulation the hypoth- hypothesis according to those that agree with Bostrom is seen as a metaphysical hypothesis one that examines the fundamental nature of reality which includes the relationship between mind and matter so this goes all the way to Joe Rogan and DMT and how if you take DMT you can see into other universes which is something that they've talked about well the interesting part <clears> of that <throat> is that at the end if if you or anyone else has experienced you know hallucinogenics of any kind um not and I, I can't say I've been <coughs> a, a, a party to any of that really, mm-hmm. not to any experiential level. But you know, I I wrote Car- I wrote I read Carlos Castaneda when I was in university too, and his his whole thing, which was um, about taking peyote with Native Americans and experiencing a lot of different things around that. And mm-hmm. they, those they they had such a realistic experience of some kind with power animals and things like that that they could not differentiate it between realities. Yeah. They, so they have to name it an additional reality. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that is, is some, you know, the, another argument that people bring up, like, you know, the, the aforementioned Joe Rogan. Um, and they're fun to talk about and listen to. I think the, the skepticism that I have with all of that is at a certain point in time, you're taking on a, a very, uh, superman type identity, to, to quote Nietzsche, um, in which, you know, you are, again, the protagonist of your, your, the world, and you can make the changes, and you have a higher level of intelligence and experience than everyone else, but only you can pause it and, and tell, talk about it, because only you can reference it, and no one else can quantify it, and so, I guess the interesting thing about all this, and the really depressing thing as well, if we are in a simulation, is that, you know, Bostrom states that he personally sees no argument as to which, you know, which of the three propositions is the true one? He doesn't. He isn't sure. Mm-hmm. So the first one, if it's true, then we will almost certainly go extinct before reaching post-humanity. Correct. Which goes back to existential threats and, and the great filter and the Fermi paradox. Um, you know, the second one, if true, then there must be a strong convergence among the courses of advanced civilizations, so that virtually none contains any individuals who desire to run ancestor simulations mm-hmm. and are free to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's an interesting. Um, that one position. I think is kind of a wobbly position well me. you'd you'd, ha- you'd ha- everyone would just agree there's, that there's, it's too dangerous. there's always somebody <laughs> always someone to drop the bomb and it, well, i'm drawing that conclusion based on you know our version of humanity well i mean look at it this way we we drop the you know the atomic bomb once and we have tried to never do it again so right like it's possible it's unlikely mm-hmm. but it's possible and then the third one if it's true then we almost certainly live in a simulation so again non-falsifiable claims there's really no reference point that we can have besides a metaphysical discussion um about it because you can't be like well i point to this to prove it's just very well, skeptical I, and i i think that very the, uh, the, ethereal the, the jump you make from science to philosophy on this is very short jump yes yeah. in the case of what we're talking about here and that you can you can break it down. And I like the way you brought in some of the ancient philosophies and things that were looked at, whether it's the Mayans or the Greeks, etc. Because that, I mean, you can look at almost any theology and say, 
you know, there are gods, a god or gods, etc., and there are certain rules and regulations that are put around our our life and what we can and cannot do with it, and it runs a certain course because the program does, and it's biological in our nature, it's through our DNA. These are all they're all programs. Yeah. Right? So so is that our reality or is that simply simulation? Or is there no difference? Because well, that's, that's what I think. There's no difference. Well, there would be no difference. So that's why <clears throat> so why this is such a difficult conversation to have with people when you're not actually thinking from a philosophical perspective. Because it just like, as I stated a little bit ago about, you know, people wanting to be the, the main character and me realizing as much as it's not fun, me realizing that I'm only the protagonist to only my story and unlikely, the unlike, it's unlikely that I'm the protagonist in anywhere else. Because when it comes to the grand scheme of things, the blink of an eye timeline that humanity has been alive and will be around for, depending on whether mm-hmm. we can advance or not. Um, uh, there's a lot of narcissism tied to that type of viewpoint when you're like, oh, well, you know, my world is the only world. And what's interesting is this, obviously, this this is this whole simulation hypothesis has garnered a ton of criticism because as with any pop culture phenomena, it, the scientists are like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like, you right. are blending the rules and lines of science with entertainment and so, you know, cosmologists, uh, or specific cosmologists, uh, George F.R. Ellis stated that the hypothesis, or a simulation hypothesis, is totally impractical um, from a, a technical viewpoint, and that protagonists seem to have confused science fiction with science. Uh, late night mm. pub discussion <laughs> is not I think a viable theory. I think that's a hilarious art criticism argument, though, and I think it doesn't hold a lot of water because well, all you have to do is look at our last 50 or 70 years of history, 100 years of history, and how much science fiction has become reality. I think the problem, it, it, I, well, here's, here's where I, I'm, I might disagree with you a little bit, because I think you have a point when, it, when you know, people are saying, you know, uh, it's unlikely, but again, this is, I think we talked about this in a few other podcasts, um, there is very much a blending of reality with non-reality today. And I think social media has played a lot into that. I think people's high level, higher levels of narcissism because of social media has played a lot into it. They're unwilling to acknowledge that uh, they will end one day and there is no answer or question to preventing them to doing that yet. We can talk about maybe it happening, but every human has an end. And even if we come to the simulation part of us being able to download our brains, the argument is we would just create a copy of ourselves. We wouldn't be the original. So our consciousness would go... Well, bye but bye. Then, then the question comes into to frame. Are you really copying yourself or are you moving yourself? Right? You, you, so, well, you wouldn't be doing because, either. You'd be creating a physical version of yourself with an entirely new experience. Right, and every you time you make a copy, from. you are not the same as the original, which exactly. goes back to what I was saying before about trying to find the discrepancies, the anomalies, mm-hmm. the anomalies in the simulation because that's that's what proves it or not now what's an interesting thought and that just popped into my brain is not written in these this fucking dissertation of notes um is okay well you're looking for anomaly and we are copies of the original anomalies could be disabilities anomalies could be you know mental issues anomalies could be because evolutionary differences well you'd look at it and say okay i'm the person putting together (laughs) this this framework yeah why do i put in that framework people Mm -hmm. that have whatever you name it whatever ailment whatever psychological or physical um issue that's created this this why in the world would you create a simulation well, with that well again this this yeah. all comes back to uh, traditional questions that are answered and, and suggested when it comes to traditional theology i mean it's, it's but there's an answer 
Exactly. I'm talking about simulation answer. The answer is the same one we talked about previous podcasts with AI. Mm-hmm. Because once you get to a singularity, what you have is an AI capable of rendering additional versions of itself. Yeah. Or creating code or creating uh, stuff beyond what the human mind is looking to do. Mm-hmm. So that that's the answer. They, if you, if you here, here's, I know this is getting theological now, but if you create a simulation and you write into the code that you're going to allow that code to make certain decisions of its own eventually throughout time, what you end up with is what we are. Yeah. With all Which, the frailties and all the positives and all the negatives and all the shit involved. Yeah. Which I think is, is funny. And obviously, you know, people, are, you know, there's there's probably agnostics, agnostics and atheists that are rolling their eyes. Um, <laughs> Everybody's is rolling fine. their eyes at this point. But, but again, we're all we're all trying to answer the age-old question, what are we here for? Sure. So uh, when, I, when I see people roll their eyes or when I see people, oh, God, theology... Look, it, the question is merely just a different... It's the same question being answered by something that is kind of similar. The only difference is you just don't like the title or you're not comfortable with the title. And that's fine. Whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm at a different stage than everyone else is too. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if simulation theory is the answer, would that be better or worse hmm. than a creator? I would say... I would argue the... the or the same. Or I would argue the, the results would be the same because humans are very predictable. Us Sims are very predictable in the sense that we would all lose our fucking minds and we'd all start attacking each other and we all become cult-like and nonsensical and dumb. What would the simulator do? He'd push the ball, he'd roll out the code. And then he'd go do something else. And then he'd go do something else and he'd come back and check it. Eh, go, oh, you know what? We need to, we need to throw check. We need to throw 40 days of rain in this thing. No, I, yeah. and here's the thing. is I think I get what you're saying. And I think that a lot of that, when it comes to the Old Testament, is very specifically cultural relate culturally. I, I understand that, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm this. Uh, this is all part of the thought experiment to me. I guess my argument is probably that of a very much more laissez-faire situation, which someone created something. Mm-hmm. So, creator in this instance, just not to offend all of the agnostics and atheists, um, the creator created something, and then they were like, "Okay, cool, that's good enough to handle itself. I'm going to go do something else." Well, anybody that says there's there's been nothing that creates anything can't answer the final question because there's always a final what question, created right? That, what created yeah, no that matter thing what created nothing exactly. There's always that final question, which uh, again uh, there and we'll always have that. I think I don't think that's ever going to be ever can't f- go ha- found out. I don't think it will ever be found out just purely because the 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 purpose of existing for humans in large part outside of you know experiencing things like you know love and pain and and uh, anger and emotions and doing great things and adventuring and all that, it comes down to creativity and curiosity. If those two things are removed from human life when it comes historically, then purpose is out the window. Well, so you ask, you ask what our purpose is, why we exist, all those kinds of things. And, and I'm not here to answer that. You got to answer that as an individual. Everybody listening out there has to look inside themselves and outward to the people around them and decide what is important enough to give you some semblance of an answer to that, right? Some purpose, purpose-driven life, right? Mm-hmm. But the the uh, context that I look at in terms of not purpose but why <clears throat> would be the code itself. And when I say the code, I'm talking biologics now, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we, when we look at our ancestors' DNAs, and this is why people would run simulations in the first place, we see somewhat some person of ourselves. I, I'll never forget. I, I went to, I went to my grandfather's funeral, a long time ago, and 
he was the patriarch of the family. He was, he was a great guy, you know, died sooner than he should, all those kinds of platitudes that I could say about him. But I remember my dad standing up. It was the first time I'd ever heard anybody say this. He, he basically looked around the audience in there and pointed to individuals and said, Mr. 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 Bull. Yes, Mr. Bull. Yeah. In, in the old bull, yeah. the real old bull. I'm the old bull. He's the seriously old bull. Elder bull. Point. Elder bull. Elder bull. Um, elder and definitely bull shit, by the way. <laughs> but but the, the fact is, is he looked around the audience and looked at his, his siblings, and he pointed to each one of them and spoke to each of them about what he saw in them that was his father. Hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever kind of done anything but glaze over that kind of concept. And the, the fact is, is that each of our descendants is us. Yeah. So the question is, as you said earlier, all of us go away, all of us die. Do we really? Does uh, the code really go away? The code, well, again, the code wouldn't go away, but the, because that allows for the this infrastructure to remain. It's the, the, the unique recognition and awareness of one individual piece of said code would go away. So the collective would continue. So you collective being family and friends and all that stuff that remember you, um, history books, you know, records, your personal instance would go away. The only thing that would go away is your experiences. That's what I mean. Not your code. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is the unique experiences so, related so, to said code would but disappear. If, if we just find a way to capture those experiences, mm-hmm. does it ever go away? It's it, like it, the it, internet. But, but it, but it Anything goes, you put on the internet never goes away. It's out yeah, there somewhere. But it goes away for those that were a part of the thing that ended up dying. We can all see the thing, but we don't experience it from the person who filmed it or but from the person who was But if you believe we're a simulation, what we're doing right now we're, we're, will we're conf- never go away. Yeah, but we're con- now we're conflating... No, first person this experience. is us. I understand, but now we're conflating first person experience with third person experience and second person experience. But that goes right? back to what you were so, saying about self. If you but that's view my everything point. from the position of self, yeah, then you're viewing ev- the whole universe is revolving around you because but that's your experience again. Which is which is again part and parcel to my point. And is basically what I'm saying is you know that's a human that's human nature. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, right now, as of right now, according to all available evidence. Any children that we have, they will not be able to tap in and say, beep, boop, beep, boop. I want to experience what Billy had, my father, in 1943 when he was fighting in World War II. I can watch it, but I want to experience and smell and feel all the grit and the pain of getting shot in the arm. Like well, we're all, We could be there one that's day. That's all it is is technology. But it's, but it's still not the, it's not the same okay, instance. So here, here's the example. It, well, okay. This podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it will be forgotten long before it's oh, remembered. But Jesus. but my my point is that if if somebody 40 years from now in your lineage mm-hmm. wanted to listen to this, they will be able to garner some piece of you. Yeah, but they wouldn't that be experience. able to know what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking of the number 10. They wouldn't be able to know what I'm <laughs> thinking right now until until I said that. No, I'm sorry. The, the only thing that is recognized is thinking it. That's it. Yeah, your but, experience yeah, through all your senses. Yeah, see, this is this is it's where, a it's a data no, dump. Yeah, it's I a giant no, data dump. Is, that's all see, it is. I understand that it, uh, that that's the case, but this is where this is again back to my point earlier and your point as well. Is this this treads so quickly into a 
ethereal. No. Yes, yes, it does. No. Yes. If it's a simulation, it doesn't. If it's a simulation. But, but if but it's that's not my a point. simulation. If it's a sim- okay. That's take, my take, point. You've got to take a time frame out of this. Think of a computer. Okay. Okay. You go along and this computer does all these executable files and does yeah. all this stuff. Uh-huh. And it retains every single... Yeah, but, a, but a computer is retaining that information. Correct. Because it can retain that information. Doesn't if the universe fucking retain it? Kinda, kinda, kinda. Oh, if Does all it of humanity, if all of entropy, humanity, if all, all of humanity, if all of humanity dissipates, will anything in the universe remember any of it? No. The data will be there in some no. form. Energy does not go uh, away. Okay, it is transferred. Observable energy, right? Observable is based so, on you and me. No, it's based on you're the, not. It's based on else. you and I, but it's also based on the available metrics used to observe said thing. from you and I. Exactly. So if so we if, got wiped out and the, all of technology got wiped out, if the universe is a out, giant freaking hard drive, and the only way is it, the only reason not. it's expanding yeah. is because we're in it, throwing out <clears throat> again all this data into the universe. But again, because we're part of it. Well, you're taking that position of the the hard drive of the universe being the same understanding the technology technology no. that we currently have. It, it, that's that's the point is I don't think that if we were ever at that point like look <clears throat> philosophically you were correct if we were to ever reach that point of technology I would argue you're probably correct at this point in time because mm. of okay I got it right there exact time yeah you got, you got it time you got at this it. point in time if time is but what is time if time is not this it's not linear if time is really? not this it's and circular it's, it's, if it's time is point, circular it's based if, on if, gravity wells and, it, and how it, you far away is, you go from things and how are, fast okay, you move okay i understand that's the case but again i have to keep this within the realm of being able to understand without having to bring stephen hawking My onto job the fucking is the thing bowl is to open i the am mind here of the to wolf. talk to you guys about the universe <laughs> this is bad i'm not going to go that was terrible that was really bad <laughs> You got to go back to the South Park. Dude, version he of hung it. out with some very but questionable characters. My um, my point is is that all of this, all of all of what you're talking about. Follow me for a second. I, okay? I'm following you. Okay, the, I, I know you. Wait, paint I, it in a way that is easy to discuss that isn't going to brain melt. I'm not trying to brain melt myself or anyone okay. else. My whole point is is that the only thing that constricts us from your descendants understanding every thought you had if it really is in the world in the universe is the construct of time which is a human construct well sure but then we have to also have to take into consideration based on the concept to remove the concept of time even though you can't do that you'd have to be able to remove that and bring in the concept of observable sequences in which you could observe it from the eyes of the person going through something is a word the define associated time. with time. I understand. God. Yeah. Well, I guess. <laughs> uh, again, my point is if, if simulation theory is a thing, if multiverse is a thing, then obviously that is the case. And we're all doomed to have our brains explode because the amount no, of data what, that yeah. we'd need to understand would be insurmountable. And I would argue if simulation is a thing, it wouldn't change anything. I don't think people would be able to fathom it. I well, think it they wouldn't would all change shut our it. thing at all. I think people would either A, lose their minds and probably kill themselves, um, <laughs> or B, or kill others, or C, they would just be like, well, okay. Well, I think what would happen is we would understand if we took time out of the equation that we exist and we always exist and we always will exist. And yeah. Everything that ever existed, everything that ever will exist, exists. Will always and continuously exist forever and ever and ever. Correct. But then again, we'd have to Which also discuss. Which would solve discuss... the whole scientific dilemma about dark matter. 
and the expansion of the universe and the expansion you're welcome albert you're welcome steven (laughs) (laughs) um so uh i mean there's a ton more we can talk about we can go through the criticism really fast of this whole thing Uh, we kind of went through it already um and obviously, again, I want to remind the listener, we're going to have a part two of this because Bull and I kind of put together two separate things that correlate. Um, and it'd be really interesting to dive into this a little bit more um, after this quick break. And we're back. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, criticism. You know, Bostrom, as interesting as this is and as fun as it is to banter about this, there's a lot of criticism associated with this whole premise. Uh, in a lot of ways, as I said earlier, it's non-falsifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very it's a it's difficult to conceptualize. So you know, a lot of philosophers disagree. They propose that perhaps Sims do not have conscious experiences the same way that unsimulated humans do, or that it can otherwise be self-evident to a human that they are a human rather than a sim so our discussion you know a little bit ago Mm -hmm. before the break was kind of that we were able to rationalize like hey maybe we're not in a simulation or what if we are in a simulation like i am me you are you like what is life we have these questions that if you know some sims if everything was a sim wouldn't be able to have questions for now granted i don't necessarily know if that's the best criticism Uh, a lot of these criticisms seem almost as flimsy as this this well, the, the, the problem meta- with the the problem with this thought experiment is there's there's when you brush things with such a broad stroke, yeah, it's so easy to, to just claim involve. portions of it. You yeah. know what I mean? And and being a critic is usually a very easy thing to do because you can, especially critic of solid things that look like facts, you can you can pick out some item and say I criticize your view of this one item, but when yeah. you look at this whole thing and I mean, simulation is, as you said earlier, unfalsifiable. Yeah. I mean, because you wouldn't until, be able to unless you could get down at, like I was talking about earlier, to the Planck scale level, mm-hmm. which in our particular version of the, the simulation is is so small that you could identify anomalous behavior in the universe. Yeah. That would show us that we're not what which, we think we are. Which yeah. is kind of weird because that means the program figures itself out, right? Or it means the program's degrading to some degree. Well, and if you're really a copy, all copies well, is a degraded version of the original, exactly. right? So, so yeah, so it, it'd be, I mean, it'd be definitely be interesting. I mean, I, I think that, it, again, I, you know, as I said a little bit ago, I think they would, either a lot would change or some people wouldn't give a shit or, or it would just totally. Well, it wouldn't change our lives one bit. No, because yeah. there'd be nothing that you could technically do. I personally believe we're not. You know, I, I think that uh, I think that it's it's interesting, and the reason this kind of philosophy comes out is because we view things so uh, narcissistically. Yeah. S- uh, we revolve everything around ourselves. You can mm-hmm. just look at science over the course of the history of civilized well, uh, world and notice that everything originally revolves around you know whatever country you're in or mm-hmm. what planet you're on, et cetera. Exactly. In, in as soon as you broaden your view of things, that changes. Or if you're American, it's from, you know, whatever country that you think you're from, even though you're born here and you're a citizen here. And that's an entirely different we're set fucking, of we're nonsense. But that's only we're part of this particular... Se- well, that's why we're going we, down this road, because we're, we're a simulation that's, that's requiring these nonsense. Yeah. Well, you know what's what's interesting? And you, you're, you're definitely probably a, of the category of the individuals of scholars who just kind of categorically reject this, reject this or, or slightly un I wouldn't say you're uninterested in, but there's a lot 
of individuals who are uninterested in in uh, anthropic reasoning. Um, they basically dismiss it as merely philosophical, um, unfalsifiable, as I said, or inherently unscientific, which they do have a point. I mean, you, you, there has to be a defined line between science, you know, show me something based off of the scientific method and kind of I can speculate based off of my opinion. I think that's where you and I agree with this because yeah. I, the, the first statement where you said it's not scientific enough, I totally disagree with because the everybody moves the 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 barriers or it moves the benchmark for yeah. science all the time throughout history it changes all the time we used to call things that are magic in the past science now and the things that we think are magic now will be science in the future etc 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 yeah but it, so yeah and 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 that's something I it's something always to be aware of I think again I think that particular statement falls kind of within that very gray scare, scale area mm-hmm. that people tend to fall into of you know the the you know believe it and it dream it and believe it and it will become reality there is right, some right. partial truth to that there's also a bunch of bogus to that depending on your variances of of you know uh belief on that level mm-hmm. um you know interestingly enough uh, cosmologist Sean M Carroll argues that the simulation hypothesis leads to a contradiction and i think this is probably the best argument against it in my opinion if we are typical, as it is assumed, and we are not capable of performing simulations, this contradicts the arguer's assumption that it is easy for us to foresee that other civilizations can most likely perform simulations, which kind of a complicated way of going about it, but I think it's a good argument against I it. think that's a good argument if you believe we're at some technological barrier. In other words, there's... Yeah. See, to me, there's... there's <clears throat> you know, things can get more and more complicated they get more and more granular as mm-hmm. we learn more and more and more the information you know world that we live in gives us that uh, predilection but the 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 idea that you can't break out of that i think is is wrong headed i think that yeah kind of but again uh, that uh, yeah, we got to be careful with these things because much like anything uh, I mean, you, there are levels there are thresholds that due to certain laws of the universe that we cannot <clears throat> at least right now, and well, obviously time. Universe. I, I know, I understand. But uh, but uh, I'm trying to conceptualize it based on an understandable, outside of just random blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I want to try and conceptualize it that's understandable. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, it would be nice to think that there are, uh, uh, there are bounds that we could always reach eventually and that we'll get to a certain point eventually, and that could very well be the case. Um, now, I'd probably argue that, you know. I'd argue we're already there. Yeah, but uh, we just create these things at a much lower level than we're talking about. Yeah, but again, the question I think then is the threshold of where that would take us because we create them at a much lower level than where is the end goal of that? Because if I create something that allows me to compress data to such a high level that I can put, you know, all of the world's databases into one singular small chip, well, then, then that well, seems. I mean, what is science really about? It's about a hypothesis <clears throat> running to experiment empirical yeah. data right yeah. and in the way these things are determined the way our next level of scientific understanding goes is is through experimentation yeah and the best way to experiment is to take the time equation and condense it and the best way to do that is to have run simulations mm-hmm. we do that every day yeah. with computers because they run particular simulations much faster than our lives right and that's one of the arguments against this by the way is that it would take too long to understand 
Well, I, I think what's similar. interesting too, and I think I, I'm not sure if uh, physicist Frank Wilczek would uh, agree or disagree with you, but he re- he raises a pretty important empirical objection, which I actually I changed my mind. This one's probably a better objection to the simulation. I'm gonna have to shoot this one down too. Um, the laws of the universe have hidden complexity, which is not used for anything, and the laws are constrained by time and location. All this being unnecessary and extraneous in a simulation. He further argues that the simulation argument amounts to the begging the question. Is that the appendix to, argument? Hey, wait a second. Due to the embarrassing question of the nature of the underlying reality in which this universe is simulated. Okay, if this is a simulated world, what is the thing in which it's, it is simulated made out of? What are the laws for that? So it, it's... I think he makes a good point in the sense that you'd have to be able to determine those things empirically before saying, yes, we are in a simulation. No. Yes. No, yes. not at all. It's, it's the appendix argument. Mm. You know, what is the appendix for? We have no idea. We've evolutionary yeah, but again, don't need it anymore. Well, it's just a dangling participle, right? And so so if we don't need it anymore, we but, don't have any re- I mean, his argument basically says there's all kinds of rules, physics rules in the universe that aren't used for, for this anything. Point, but, but that again, are not used for anything. Did you hear? Hold it. Let but me go back but to this. Wait he a didn't second. use it for anything. What do you wait mean it's not for but, anything? But again, why is there a rule? I understand, I understand your your frustration with this, and I, I might align with him a little bit more than you'd like, just primarily because, not in the sense I don't believe those things have purposes, but in the sense that humanity has been around and will only be around for X amount of time. We may never figure out what those purposes are. So in relation to us... If we don't figure out those purposes, then they truly, based on our perception, don't have a purpose, right? So if we have, if we never get to that point of being able to uh, transcend uh, what we determine to be humanity and reach that Nietzsche level of a superhuman, then to us, he is correct. Now, granted, it right. is a cynical view, and it is a very constrained view. Well, here's the thing you got to think about, though. Number one of the trilemma, right? The number one of the trilemma is you can't reach a point where you're technologically advanced enough to create these simulations mm-hmm. in the first place, right? Which is That's why this is unfalsifiable. Thing. Well, it's unfalsifiable, but what if we're actually in one? Again, and the only way we get blown out of existence is if the programmer decides to. Uh, again, so again, that's that. This this all comes back to, and for a lot of people, will if they're if they look into it enough, all comes back to the same type mm-hmm. of reasoning and logic right. that was traditionally you know suggested by Constantine and and, and Jesus Christ and Muhammad and and you know, the the Buddha and Siddhartha Gautama. I, and, I think it's which I think is the same. Um, I, Buddha, I think it's Sergio. much much more plausible at least from our own human viewpoint, not my personal, but human existence in general, to believe that we're in an actual reality, mm-hmm. in an actual timeline, yeah, and that we focus not on some of these bigger questions, but what's on right in front of us. Well, Because we can't even get around our own nonsense these days. Well, and you're right. And I think that the, the, the real problem with all this, as, w- as, it with, as it is with aliens and entertainment and social media, is just a different form of escapism. I want the programmer to write in dragons again. But, the, but again, that's my point. Is is uh, I think the reason this is so <clears throat> attractive to maybe my generation in particular, because um, I it's very I mean like shows like Rick and Morty and shows like Family Guy and and uh, and hell even South Park have played with this idea um, <clears throat> because there is a desperate desire within my particular demographic and generation to have a purpose. And when you live off the back of generations that have brought around a very 
very, in America's ver v version, a very wealthy time period, it's very hard to find purpose. And so people generate and not generate, they gravitate and then they generate their own worldview based mm -hmm. on their own perception in order to make themselves feel better about right, their inevitable right. demise. I, I think interestingly that to me, you've hit on one of the, the primary focal points that I think is missing Let's just use your generation because you like talking about that in, in that way. It's because I'm a narcissist. Differentiated. <laughs> exactly. It's differentiated in some ways. And all generations have crossover, but they have this core belief system within a certain period of time, again, that you look at. And I, I think the, the challenge most people have is that our world is so full of information now. It's so big. We're, we're talking about things across the entire universe. Yeah, philosophically, scientifically, simulation, all these holographic, all these kind of things, which is wonderful to yeah. talk about and to experiment and, and to try to unpack in a lot of ways to understand and to learn. But when it comes down to your purpose, you've got to draw a line around yourself. You've got to draw a circle of of distance within, like we talked about the VR, a perceptual, sensical difference that you can affect. Because mm -hmm. if you get outside of that, Life, and, and you can grow that circle. You can grow the larger purpose, but you've got to start smaller. You've got to start within the confines of your own sensical understanding of your world in the importance you are to it. Well, and that's and that's something that I think is, is pretty interesting. And I mean, obviously, people have always tried to, for the most part, you know, as we've evolved from... Whatever Slimy, exactly. Weird joy juice to apes, then eventually to, and I skipped the whole culmination of various <laughs> species there to humans. Well, um, you know, people have tried to find a reason for existence, and we found it uh, in a lot of ways for a long period of time in theology. We found it in a lot of ways in a long period of time through you know tall tales and 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 tales of greatness and and, and writing and reasoning and, and 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 music, and up until very recently. Have we really brought in things like, or I, th I said it a second ago, but I was incorrect. Up until very recently, have we brought in a thing like critical thinking and critical reasoning? That's a purely Western-based viewpoint on these things, and that's why I think these type of things for a lot of people, even though they may not know to the depths of what critical thinking or critical reasoning may involve, they're so attractive to them. Because at the end of the day, all humans have an innate desire to understand and an innate desire to know why. That's what's built so, into all of us. So I was just going to so, say, so maybe... Our real purpose is just understanding that we already have it built in. And yeah. that's to and move ourselves and our code yeah. ahead in well, time. And, and that, you know, that would obviously, you know, leave, you know, that would probably leave neglect for things like aliens and, and simulation theory and, and, and cults and, and to some de degree multiverse and to some degree theology. Um, I'm not really suggesting that those things are... Um, fickle or that they're they're ethereal and shouldn't be thought about what I am suggesting though is if you know you're a farmer and you need to make food and you need to grow your family and you spend all your time looking at the stars you'll 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 starve yeah and I think that that is a great point to end on because it's all about priorities it's mm -hmm. all about what's important to you and the people around you yeah and in the great screen scheme of this blip that we are in we are completely and totally inconsequential to the overall ramblings and musings of the universe and whatever goes on around us outside of this little blue ball we're on. The universe has its own agenda.
Hey everyone, this is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bull Podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.